This is Coda Radio, episode 125, for October 27th, 2014. everyone, and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hello, Mr. Fisher. Hello, Mr. Dominic. All right, what's the story? What happened to your regular microphone this week? Yeah, I I just can't get it hooked up. I <laughs> so I'm down to me and my wife are down to one car, and I don't have the ability to go back and get it. So, well, interestingly enough, uh, yeah. this is going to be a rather meta episode of the show today. So it's kind of appropriate we start with a weird technical behind the scenes question right at the beginning. So 125. Right. We do hope to get to some emails today. We're not going to start with the emails this week, and I don't know if we're going to get to them because uh, I've got to do the Linux Action Show in about an hour, so we'll see how far we get. But uh, Mike and I got into a pretty good pre-show conversation, which because I'm a dummy, I did not record any of. I don't normally, you know, I figure that's like our off-air, t- well, we're on-air, but it's off-record, right? So that's like our real talk right, time. Right, right. Where we get on the show, we don't say things we really think. It's all an act, right? I don't know why I don't right. record the whole damn thing. Anyways... We decided to kind of talk about the format of the show. It actually initially kind of started with talking about the schedule because both Mike and I feel like Monday isn't working, but we don't, you know, we're busy guys. We don't really have well, another time to do it. Yeah, it, it feels like Monday, particularly, I think it's, I think it's. well, I didn't know last was recorded on Mondays too. I thought no, it was no, Tuesday. it's not. It's Sundays. Okay. Uh, but Sundays. I, I was I was in the air on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, on my end, Monday forces a very compressed show. Um, just because of the way the way it goes, right? Well, it's the middle the of Coast. it's the middle right. of the uh, uh, or it's towards the end of the first day of the week, right? And Mondays and it's three o'clock on the East Coast, so it's kind of like you know, there's always Mondays. Really, Monday's the worst day of my week in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is uh, the rest of the business world starts on Monday, and they expect the rest of the right. business world to start their day on Monday. I, however. I generally don't even open up my inbox until Monday evening at the best because I have Tech Talk in the morning and then Coda Radio in the afternoon. Well, and so we, I don't get any of my business stuff done. And then it's all – so I have to sneak it all in there in between shows and stuff. It's really a mess. So I totally feel you on that. So we were – we've been really – yeah. Which, I mean just in terms of scheduling, what seems to be happening is like a lot of uh, customers don't like to email or call you on Friday. So they wait till first thing Monday. Right. And, yeah, it's just a rough deck. But let, let's Or emails that on. came in over the weekend that expected a weekend reply, but I have a new policy of not generally responding over the weekend, so i got to get to them on Monday. But then I don't even get to them until Monday evening. Anyway, so that's where the conversation started. Well, what could we do to kind of give ourselves a little more breathing room so that way we can put some more into the show? Uh, and <clears throat> as we started going on, we started kind of asking ourselves, well, is it maybe more appropriate to do a format change of the show? But what would that look like, and yeah. uh, what what would be what would be ideal? And, and the topic of maybe more interviews on the show, something we tossed around, or different content 
could be covered. So where do you want to start in sort of well, – So I, I feel like we should just go through the same – because we never really resolved the line of reasoning. We just went halfway through it and then yeah, okay. you were like, oh, I forgot to hit record. <laughs> so uh, uh, do you want to start – well, which direction do you want to take the format yeah, so conversation? Let, let, like, let, me, let me state what I see as the problem. Okay. Right? So Coda Radio, when it started, didn't really have – there were no other – I mean podcast is not really competition, right? Because if you're – like me, you listen to them all anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. But there were no, there weren't many other dev podcasts. Um, no, in fact, one of the reasons we started is because one of the more popular ones kind of shut down, and we were like, "Well, shut down." Right? And we we're like, "Well, now what are we going to do?" So we we're like, "Well, we should make a show." And I think what happened is initially it started with a very naive, very ambitious kind of format. Right? We will be a dev show. Period. Which sounds like an obvious idea, like Linux Action Show is a Linux show, period, right? But dev, and I guess it extends to Linux too, it's, it's too big. And I, I listen to a lot of other dev shows, and in a way I feel like, I won't say better, but certainly I can see how they might have an easier time setting things up than we do, and therefore or feel more right. put together. Let me, uh, can I, I'll jump in here. So it's, it's something interesting, you know, uh, one of the things I learned uh, doing Linux Action Show versus Stoked, the Star Trek online podcast, is you would think on the surface there would be infinite things to cover in the Linux Action Show, and Stoked would be very limited. But it turns out establishing the boundaries of what the content is and what this show, establishing those boundaries more tightly, what it covers, allows you to sort of hyper-focus in on that area and find all of the really interesting and fascinating nuance where there's a lot of opportunity for dialogue because in that nuance, there's difference of opinion where when you go very, very, very broad, it becomes more about the broader technologies like Java as a whole or Objective-C as a thing as a whole, right? And it's much more abstract. And and I think, too, it, you know, at least for me, sometimes it forces me into these positions of, Having to, in you know, forty-five minutes, talk about something on such a trivial surface level, like for instance, I bitched out about Xamarin a few weeks ago, right? I, I gave them a terrible time, and I gave them that time on the phone too, by the way. Well, there's a little more nuance to that. Yes, they screwed up. Yes, it's their fault. Yes, they probably should have given me my money back, right? Uh, but it would have been great to be able to one explain the issue more deeply. But also, to be fair, talk about things they have in the past done correctly. And I, I guess, you know, I guess it just feels like because of the wide breadth, the wide purview, we're forced to take the most superficial look at everything. Like one example I was talking about on the pre-show with Chris was, you know, we had all these interviews. I was looking at more of an interview format movie. Um, and I'm just going through some of the ones that were really memorable to me where, um, you know, we had Ben Morse on. Well, that was probably entertaining for me because he's another mobile startup guy, but a lot of people didn't like it <laughs> because right. it's too – I mean even though he claims not to be an iPhone guy, he was effectively pushing and developing iOS software. Well, and people were really – people really hated it back then when we talked about mobile. Right. That was a much – people don't really seem to yell at us as much about that anymore. Well, I think people – those people have stopped listening. Maybe. You know, then we had – which I thought was a really good one um, – Mark Heckler from Oracle, which is fantastic. It was a – but again – it was all about Java, right? And then we had, you know, and I'm not saying that I mind the hate mail. I'm just saying Java itself, I mean, Java, you know, what is it? Java, Java Posse has been around for about five years. 
like just Java is a huge topic. Then we had, let's see, um, Oranini or Yande Rahim, goes by both names, um, you know, of .NET, of RavenDB fame. Well, that one I felt, though, really interesting guest, great guy, great developer. There's not a whole lot of middle ground of understanding, at least for me to him. Maybe he gets me totally and he gets iOS and he just might be that much smarter than me. And I felt like that interview in particular, as I listened back to it, was very mismatched. Like right? we were talking past each other. We were talking past each other. You know, he's talking about deep server optimizations on the database side. And I'm saying, well, how will this make developing an iOS app easier? Which really aren't the same conversation. Though certainly if you're in the .NET space and you are looking for that kind of database, RavenDB is, is actually pretty cool. There's nothing wrong with it. He's a good presenter. It just felt too far out of what at least me personally normally does in a day. So it got me to thinking, well, I'm looking at all these other shows. You know, recently there are there mobile development, particularly iOS development shows, are a dime a dozen, right? So I'm not sure. It's like the I'm hugest, sure. it's the biggest category, yeah. really, I think, in podcasting. I think maybe, I don't know about just dev iOS, but like that general area about Apple and Macs, it seems to be the largest category in the tech podcasting area. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I, why. Oh, it's, I think it's pretty easy. I think it's uh, because podcasting is very popular among iPhone owners, and it's, 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 it's yeah. huge in iTunes. So if you're an iTunes user and an iPhone user, you're likely interested in Mac and iOS development. And because they sell so many millions of those devices, it's actually a big enough market just to serve to them. Yeah, and actually, I, I guess I do know why, right? Because if you're an iOS or Mac person, you care a lot about design, and you can talk about design forever. Right. Um, and again, there's a lot of little nuance in a lot of that stuff for right. conversation. And there's a lot of disagreement. And it's one of those things where, you know, again, getting back to like the RavenDB thing, you know, if you put me against Warren Andy and we, we want to talk about database optimizations, well, he's right and I'm wrong no matter what, right? Because I don't know what I'm talking about. He's, I'm not the guy who wrote the database. I'm the guy who uses it. I'm his customer, not his, you know, not the DBA guy. Um, what does that mean in terms of, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves, right? So I started looking at other podcasts. So one thing is the .NET podcast space has died. Like there's nothing. I mean, there's a couple of the older ones that are still hanging around. But I mean, Chris, are you feeling this as well? That just in terms of like non, in particular, non Apple development shows are just kind of gone. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely uh, a few Ruby on Rails shows. Uh, I think there's yeah, a, they, there's a Python feel, show. They feel there was. I listened to a few of the Rails ones. They feel very much like the Coco shows. Um, and I guess there's a lot of cross-section, same types of people. I would say, though, the uh, the other podcast areas, are, I mean, they're all dwarfed in comparison to the uh, iOS stuff uh, or anything Apple, really. I'd say it's all dwarfed. I think there's a huge uh, – well, I think there's just a huge um, home turf advantage to those podcasts. So I think in terms of like, uh, I would say it's almost a one to six ratio. I don't know. Something pretty nuts. Yeah. So I, I wonder what your thoughts are on Chris and chat room if you. Um... Well, so the first thing that came to my mind is um, there's two ways I could see. There's two paths I see going. Oh, actually three. So one okay. would be just to sort of immediately follow yours would be to hyper focus in a more uh, specific niche category 
The problem would be is those the categories that are large enough to still sort of maintain the same download numbers would uh, would probably be pretty well served already. Now the second right. the second but uh, we'll put that aside. The second path I see would be like uh, um. Uh, you could do something like where there's uh, another host that is has like opposing views, like a like sort of like a uh, uh, another. Um, so for one example, so so uh, I guess it, uh, probably not your favorite, but probably another niche we could double down on would be the home turf advantage to Jupiter Broadcasting, which is the open source crowd. We have well, a lot so of you can, you can Hannity encompass it, right? Yeah, you could say that. You follow, right? So you would have it would be proprietary guy, i.e., me. Yeah, against. Another Foss another Foss de- like a Foss developer, yeah. So I, I did think about something similar to that, but don't you just end up again and again arguing philosophical things that don't matter? Yeah, it seems like it, the format would get kind of repetitive. Like that might be one or or even like a series of episodes. But like. what, but yeah, okay, yes, that's true. Okay, so then the the third one would be um, uh, an interview style show where that week you know it's it is a .NET podcast because it's a .NET developer we're talking to. And right. it wouldn't necessarily even have to be somebody famous. It could be maybe just one of the more popular projects on GitHub or something like that. Uh, and the next week it would be a Coco show, and the week after that it would be a Android. You know, I don't know. We'd ha- we'd want if the way we if we did that though, we'd want to really seriously go deep. I think. I think we'd really want to try to go as deep as possible. And I don't right. know exactly the best way to do that because then that means you need to have somebody who's familiar with it to ask the right questions to get that stuff out. You know. Um, and that the interview show, the overhead to an interview show is it's huge. It's actually almost a, it's almost another full time position. It's not quite it's not full time work, but it's probably it's probably twenty twenty five hours maybe in a week, depending if you're lining a lot. If you're really working, once you get established, it'd probably be only a few hours a week. But initially, it's going to be all it would be a lot of work. So and that would be money, you know, and that's cost and that's overhead. Uh, and the th- and the problem uh, the problem with that particular one is the format is such that you never know what you're going to get. Uh, so um, what people will do is they will pick and choose. So they'll see the one that sort of appeals to their interest, and they won't listen to the other ones. And so you end up with a really sort of unsteady audience because you will always get your people who listen to every episode. But see, right now, uh, what people will tune in for, regardless of topic, is just our dis- discussion back and forth. Right. That's sort of right. that's sort of the tune in reason. And then the conversation is sort of the plot line that we use for for that. And so people tune in every week because of that, regardless. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've listened to a lot of interview structured podcast shows. And, the, and I think the problem with them is they're dry is and they desperately focus on the, the person being interviewed. So if that guy yeah. doesn't have a personality, right. which is why I think nailed it. And, it, and, and so, what if he has a mic like yours today? <laughs> right. What if he's on his MacBook Pro today? Yeah. Or, you know, this is one area I think the Coco podcasts have. Coco developers like myself tend to come from like an art background or, or something like that rather than a pure comp site, Google server nerd. Please send your hate mail to alan at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Um, and they tend to be better public speakers in general. Like I'd listen to a few very, again, much, you know, I probably shouldn't say, but I've listened to other types of dev podcasts other than the Coco ones where they tried the interview thing. And the guy, obviously very smart, obviously could run circles around me in his area. But goddamn, the cardboard box in the corner of my office had more of a personality. And that scares me. Because I could, I mean, I could fill up, you know, a whole calendar with startup D-bags, basically. Like, that's something I could do. But they're kind of all the same guy. Yeah. 
Like the, or there's, the, there's like three versions. <laughs> there's like there's like yeah. California. No, there's the California and the New York variant. And yeah. That's it. Like, uh, so what about um, what about more roundtable discussion? Something I was thinking like maybe, well, not to cut you off, but kind of almost doing it like a like a cycle, right? Where there's four weeks in a month that we do a show, right? Except for special months or whatever. Do one with the old format of it's just basically feedback, chit-chatting, nonsense. I make fun of you for being a traitor to Linux. Then the next week could be an interview, and then the following week would be like almost a Linux Unplugged style show. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking is uh, – but instead of instead of like a full open mumble room, maybe like uh, – maybe like a – like a, a more fixed group, people that would sort of be willing to kind of try and make it every single week that that we would – and maybe the way – I'm trying to figure out how you would do that. Maybe you'd start with a more open room and then sort of invite and ask people if they could start – you know, notice who shows up regularly. But that would take a long time. So, But my, my point was is uh, that though would sort of mean it's probably going to be more of like a uh, a topical discussion. Right. You would still need to come up with the topic yeah. and – I think the other thing is like love the JV people, but there are certain topics they're probably not super gonna, especially the guys who would come in the mumble room, right? It's just not going to be down with. Um, however, yeah. today would have been a great mumble room thing with Google's bullshit about your address. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't. It, it you depends, know, I, you know. On the mumble room, like for example, uh, Tech Talk Today has a mumble room every day, and. Uh, Tech Talk today is is more about just the general news, which is often not Linux related at all, and they don't, you know, it works because you know the show sort of has a certain set of followers depending on what it covers, and so those people also can tend to be represented, just like they're represented. Yeah, it, it varies, right? It's you're right though. There is the tendency just for people like if it's anything closed source, then they just shut down the conversation. Uh, so there is sometimes a tendency for that, which could make discussion of th- some things like, like you know proprietary things uh, more challenging and then the other side of the equation of course is what about all like the biz dev pme stuff that's come into the show that i know some people in fact i think a lot of people seem to like but a very angry minority seem to hate does that stay a part of it does that go away i feel like it shouldn't go away i feel like that would be a little you know dishonest in a way yeah Hmm. Where does this leave us other than a little sad, Chris? Well, it seems like uh I mean so I would I would maybe let's start let's let's think let's take a pause and sort of yep. jump back and think about I would say the current format is uh you know we get we take in uh, we start with taking in audience feedback and uh then we sort of discuss what they're asking and that's sort of well, there's some content there because we'll kick things around from there. And then it's usually after that we'll transition it into a topic of the week that is worth discussing about. So it's not like everything that happened but maybe something or two things that are kind of big. Sometimes it's obvious because there's been a big, you know, some big news event and sometimes it's less obvious as something a little more buried down like the markdown drama or whatever it is. That's kind of what the essential format is now, right? Pretty loose. We talk. Pretty we loose, talk a lot yeah. about the business of it, um, and th- that's fair in a sense because there's a lot of people out there that want to go out and do contracting and make money, or you know, are considering leaving work and 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 want to start their own thing, or or uh, or vice versa. You know, they're worried about maybe stagnating because eventually they want to move somewhere. There's a lot of that aspect of it too. Uh, so, I that is sort of where we're at today, 
And uh, there is the one thing. The one thing you know about that is you're going to get some good conversation from the emails. And if something interesting happened in the week, and you're you just kind of want to say semi informed, because we hear a lot of people like, "How am I going to stay current? How do I stay on top of everything that's going on?" Uh, So you know, if you tune into Coda Radio, you're probably going to hear the one or two things that were kind of important that you need to know more about. That's not that. That's not a bad place to be at, really. No, it's not. And and maybe like that's why I was thinking of, you know, the kind of augmented calendar, right, where it's, you know, maybe still 50 percent the old format. And then you just do try to have an interview once a month or do try to have a, a mumble room once a month at least. So I, th- I think the other thing is, especially this time of year, you know, the party's kind of over. So as we go into this fourth quarter and certainly the opening of the new year, nothing is going to happen. Right. Like unless there's a major security vulnerability or I don't even know, like, you know, Leonard Powering tells Linus to fuck himself again. Like there, there's just not much that's going to happen in the dev world. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I have some thoughts about about maybe the downsides to that. Uh, okay. I'm going to thank our first sponsor this week. Um, I hope they I hope they enjoy the show this week because it's all about the show Linux Academy. Now I had a chance at Ohio Linux Fest to talk some to some folks who've been trying out Linux Academy, and everybody universally said they absolutely love it. So here's what you do: go to linuxacademy.com/coders. That'll get you a great discount, so that way you can get started right away. And you're going to want to use the subscription because then you get access to all of the content as they update it, as they release new stuff, as they have cool sessions going on. So what is Linux Academy? It's a way for you to get started with step-by-step video courses and audio tutorials with labs on anything from Linux, AWS, OpenStack, DevOps, which is growing like crazy these days. I know we have a lot of people in the sort of quote-unquote DevOps area, and one of the things that people are constantly emailing into TechSnap about is, you know, I'm a, I'm, I am now sort of managing all of these servers and it is a mess. How can I centrally manage these things? How can I deploy and manage all of my configurations? How can I manage all these patches I need to deploy? You know, I've got software to write too. And guess what? Linux Academy has got courses on how you can set that up. And like, for example, Chef or Puppet. And one of the great things about Linux Academy is you can choose whichever Linux distribution you want. They've got more than seven. And when you choose that, They'll automatically adjust the courseware to match the distribution you've chosen. How neat is that? 24,701 quizzes taken. 2,128 labs completed. And, you know, Linux Academy is really just getting started. I've heard that uh, I think they're going to try to integrate almost a dozen or more new courses by the end of the year. And as part of your subscription, you'll just get access to them for free. And what's neat is as you go through the course... If that course requires a virtual server, they'll spin it up, and they'll make it all accessible for you. They'll give it a public IP address. You can even have other people log in to really actually explore and learn the material. You're going to work with the stuff you're trying to learn. And they have scenario-based courses. So you'll actually go through an entire deployment from start to finish, and you'll walk away having done it. So next time you go to do it in production, you've already got one under your belt. And they're adding new features all the time, like learning plans, that will just ask you, hey, how much time do you have available to commit? And you tell it, and they'll automatically create courseware for you based on your time restraints, which is really great if you're busy. I know we've heard from some new parents, for example, that have a lot more time restrictions in their life. Well, if you can find maybe 20 minutes on a Saturday, do it. And maybe next time, maybe next week, you'll have a couple of hours, and you just adjust it as you go. It's really great. And they tell you, you know, you can go right back in. 
and pick up right where you left off, and they'll tell you this this section of the course is going to take you this long. So you can really budget appropriately. It's it's such a great system for anyone who's trying to augment their skill set or take them to the next level. Or if, if you've really kind of been in a rut and you want to pick it up, linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So here's the disadvantage I see to that. I like it on the surface because the idea itself is good. What I don't know if I necessarily like too much. Uh, I don't know if it's a big deal, really, to be honest with you, the more I think about it. But I'm a, I, I'm a little worried about inconsistency because I, I think <clears throat> I don't want I don't want to cause this is a really uh, douche term to use, but I don't want to cause friction to people like when they go to make their decision. Should I listen to Coda Radio right now or my other podcast? I don't want there to be a lot of friction in that decision. And if it's, ah, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to get. Is this, a, is this, is this going to be a week where I don't like this particular, you know, I don't want that little Whoa. doubt to sort of get in the way. Mm, isn't that what they get now, though, with the crazy broad topic? Like, Well, no, like I said, I mean, yes, you're right. But in principle, they know what the meta framework is, the community discussion right. and the sort of important thing I need to know about this week. And that's the meta framework that you know you're going to get. And then what do we plug into that? It varies from time to time. But if you if you buy into the framework, you always know you're getting that at least. I mean, we could we could also do something crazy, like something no one else has ever done and just gamify the whole thing. Almost use somehow use the subreddit to have the audience dictate the topics. Yeah, how would you get enough involvement though to make that actually yeah, work? Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think you could. I, th- I think it would end up being, you know, the Linux Action Show Part Three over and over again. Well, if you look at our subreddit, is a lot of that, or is it? I think it's pretty well balanced in there. Um, our subreddit. Let's let's take a look right now. I'm gonna just read the titles of the top okay. three stories. Coderadio.reddit.com. Okay. Ouch, my back, which was posted by me because my back is killing I me act- in this cheap Staples chair. I love that one. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, conversation, conversation with, Google, with Google from which PT is Dave. PT Dave. And then Mono for Unreal by a name I can't pronounce. Uh, but I've seen that one. Wiggle waffles. I've seen that one going around the net a lot. Yeah. So maybe not. Maybe it would work, but it would be very risky. I think we'd have to minimum double the amount of people in that subreddit because yeah. you're gonna you got to count on a small percentage of them actually getting involved. I don't know. I don't know, man. I that's an interesting idea, though. Uh, it seems like uh, it almost be like Dig. Remember the Dig show? Did you ever watch that? I know what it is, yeah. Yeah, they but but it. for development. Then again, though, see, but then you you were concerned about the varying topics. That's really going to be varying topics. That could be crazy, right? And then there's the whole aspect of, well, what if something's obviously a trolley post? Well, then you we know, just have to ignore it. I mean, we'd have to have we, veto we'd power. We'd have to retain veto power, yeah. but then at some point, would we be, you know, would we, would we be Governor Christie? Just veto everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love him, by the way, if he's my kind of guy. But at some point, you know, if you're facing a lot of opposition— you end up wielding that veto like a katana. You just don't stop. Mm-hmm. 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 I think. Uh, I think. Yeah. I don't. I, I like what I like about the subreddit right now, and it works even for the ratio that's in there. Is it's sort of like a temperature guide. So, like, if there's a couple of topics we've been thinking about, you see what the subreddit's been talking about. Sometimes they got a better idea. You go with it. Sometimes they sort of validate what you're thinking about. Or sometimes you're like, oh, you know, kind of based on the temperature here, maybe this isn't a topic we should discuss. Or and the other all, the other thing I, I pick up from the subreddit 
is just trends. What do we see trend-wise? What are people continually submitting? What topics have we talked about a while ago that now people are submitting follow-up on? Obviously, that meant they were interested in it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll monitor it for those kinds of things, too. So the subreddit is really useful in that sense, and it does I mean, help the, with the current format quite a bit. Yeah, there, there are obvious topics that I think we get a lot of feedback and a lot of you know community involvement, right? So individual developer developers, and that could mean people or companies, relationships to large platform vendors, i.e. Apple, Google, Microsoft, Ubuntu. You know, just the thing, one of the things I think one of our best, I mean, I really hate bragging. But I think what, right. one of our best moments was really getting the Docker folks on so early. I think that was right. one of our shining moments, and I liked that. I think there's something there. I think there's something in the interview format. The problem would be it might not be consistent, so we kind of have to have a backup plan. Well, you do remember why we stopped the interview format, though, right? And this might be too much inside baseball for on air, but oh, I don't you know. remember what happened, right? Or, or no, because I was, we got a whole lot of no's, too. Oh. Remember? Yeah. Especially that, yeah. that one very prominent yeah. no because he was afraid to come on JB. You remember uh, that? Yeah, because, yeah, because, you know, but I think that, that so might not be gonna, a, well, I don't really uh, think that's a, I don't, okay. you know, none of our other shows have that problem, though. So I don't think that's well. I think because none of your other shows are trying to, you know, for to use a political term, right, reach across the aisle. I mean, we could totally interview a bunch of backend Linux developers all day long, but if we ever want to grab, let's say, Coco guys and .NET guys, we've we've kind of seen the responses to that, right? Hmm. And we won't name names, you know, because people ask us not to, people ask me not to, but yeah, and that's sort of if that's you know that's sort of a reason to have a have a producer to sort of just continue to work through that. Well, I think there is some, particularly in the .NET camp, especially for people who might have more to lose, I think there some fences would have to be mended. And, and what does that mean for, you know, just really inside baseball, what does that mean for JB as a whole, right? I, yeah, and, and I kind of go back to, well, uh, so here's my stance, like, um, here's what I come down to, is at the end of the day, right? that guest coming on the show is is really good for them it's they, they give us one week of content we give yeah. them years and years and years of traffic i mean it's like the payoff for them is so much higher than the payoff for us that i kind of get to the point where like if if they don't see that and they don't want to come on the show somebody else will really well, and it's not a big yeah. deal to me when it's one individual guest i think it's true but if you're trying to do a true like reach across the aisle reach across the different platforms sure, kind yeah. of development show you can't have for example prominent dotnet developers all blackball you well i would be willing i think it'd be worth if we had somebody that had the time to poke at that and see if that's still an issue it was an issue six months ago right i still I think mean, i still think so. citing, they were citing things from seven years ago right like but, things you know it's just we've had on 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 linux action show we've had people I mean, we've had tons and tons and tons and tons of proprietary. I mean, we go to cons, we talk to the, you know Microsoft, everybody, all up and down, Oracle. Everybody's been on the Linux Action Show. I mean, it's really not been an issue in any of our well, I, other I shows. Think, I think at conventions because it's more of a controlled. It's not just conventions though. It's Skype. It's Hangouts. It's. I mean, it's. Like, I mean, we can try again. Maybe the few I tried to reach out to are just bitches. Like it, it's possible that they're just kind of, you know whatever like they don't and, and it's also true that maybe they don't need it right yeah so do you just go one rung below that and go to the up-and-coming people do you i think it's more like what you do is you just move on and come back to them later and see if they're if they've changed so their mind. my fear with that is i don't want to have you know i don't want to do a show that's all people developing on linux like python people you know you know i don't want basically a server-side development hour right right because that's 
kind of what last turns into when you talk and I like last, right? But that's kind of what it is when you talk about development. It's you know, if you get a bunch of Linux guys in the room, what are they going to want to talk about? Linux and the server. Why is the assumption to just be Linux people though? Why would it? Um, I don't know. I feel like that would be the easiest to get. I'm and thinking like, like I'm thinking more like uh, I'm thinking we see the thing is is you, you, I don't know if those are the people we necessarily need to go after because those people are or that's already a market that's being filled by other shows that are established. Like I mean, the Linux folks. Well, no. Uh, so uh, let, let's take a step back and why not talk to like. Um, I mean, be, this is why, again, I go back to to do this, it would require a producer to put a lot of time in initially. Because I'm not saying you or I do this, this footwork because we honestly don't have the time to do it. But somebody right. goes out there and talks to popular projects on GitHub, follows the news. It would be somebody that's savvy with new projects people are working on. They're involved in those communities already potentially. And they would do initial screenings. They would Skype or hang out with them. They would talk to them, kind of get an idea of what they're about. And then they would then they would send them on to us and we'd book them. Or they would book oh, them. Sure, but that's, that's a ton of work. That's like having a little HR department for Right, but, but then again, if we end up getting if we end up getting an hour, hour and a half show out of that, well, then we could add more sponsorships and we could eventually pay that person. It wouldn't be a lot of money, but they'd actually make money from the position. The, um, the funny thing is, is the time where it's the most work would be initially while you're learning how to do it and all of that. Like I said, it'd be a lot of hours. And by the time you actually got paid, it would be when you're doing the least amount of work. Because by then, it's going to be only a few hours a week. And like, Do you know what kind of people I'd like to get on? Like people who make developer tools. Sure. Right. And well, what you would do like, is you would just work with that person and say, hey, go after these people or these types of people or go find these category of people or who, you know, I want to talk to this like, category. The coach of people I thought were great. We got them on, right? We got their CTO on, uh, Moritz, who's a nice guy, emails me. Um, actually, I did drop the ball. The GitLab people want to come on and I need to follow oh, cool. up with them because I got, I got busy. Like those I think would See, be good. And interviews. again, you would just forward that off to the producer and say, hey, this is somebody we need to follow up with. Any volunteers chat <laughs> Well, maybe. I mean, we we did that for the Linux Action Show. You know, we put out the call, and it's worked out. Um, I mean, that would be super feasible. I, I just think it's the thing yeah, is, I mean, is I mean, like with Last, we gotta. What I wanted, yeah. I mean, what I'd like to do is if we start, if we take on more people, I want. I really like to make sure that eventually there's a way to uh, compensate. Yeah, them. yeah. Because that's the thing we're still struggling with right now is finding a way to afford that and make it economical. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe I work that into like the tech talk today, Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash today. And I put a milestone and say, you know, um, producers are funded or something like that. And then we say, if you want to help fund the producers go here and then it would be regardless of sponsorship, then we would have it just lo- sort of locked in. So I, that's something we can play with. Um, but it would, it'd be really hard finding the right person. The right producer. I mean, there's just so much that would come into that role. Like that person's own personal biases. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, it depends. Yeah, sure. It depends on them, I suppose. I guess uh, it does. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got uh, a couple more things, a, a couple other ideas. Plus, we also have the emails we can get to. I mean, I feel like we haven't resolved anything, though. So let's try to... I feel like we haven't. So I feel like what maybe we should do is table the conversation, right? I'm going to not be a jerk and reply to the GitLab people. Um, and See what the audience what, thinks? See what the audience thinks. Let's ask them to go on the subreddit, right? Give some comments because I know there's lots of yeah. you who are probably I, going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. It's fine. Email works too, but it would be nice to have the subreddit just so that way we can – Yeah, email uh, really doesn't work. My Gmail is out of control. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and it would be nice so that way we could have a dialogue going in there. Yeah. And I'll try I to be really, active in there too. And then the other thing about that is it can also we can gauge a sense of 
you know, if we if we ask the subreddit to uh, call to action, do they actually can they actually do something? Yeah. So coderadio.reddit.com. This uh, after you do an ad read, of course, this um, whole conversation with Google thing before we close. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Oh, in fact, we we should run soon because it lasts. Uh, very yeah. good. Yes, that is definitely something I want to talk about. Uh, all right. Well, then, before we get to that, I will thank the great folks over at DigitalOcean. Of course, Mike and I love DigitalOcean, so we cannot go any further without stopping right here and talking about them. And every single week, DigitalOcean gets better and better. They've just introduced metadata. It's actually kind of a cool concept, it's, and it makes automating the provisioning of your droplets even slicker. So they have got a link on their front page. Go read more about that. It just It's another great example of the constant innovation that's happening over at DigitalOcean. So let's talk a little bit about DigitalOcean and why I think they are actually pretty damn innovative. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting. It's dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. And the reason why they say it's intuitive, and I absolutely agree, is they have this amazing dashboard. Their interface is so simple, and their control panel is so awesome and slick. And Power Users can replicate that control panel on a larger scale with their straightforward API. And it's so nice to be able to just go in there and take advantage of all of those awesome underlying technologies in this easy-to-use interface. And I cannot believe that I am using a beautiful website to spin up a KVM virtual machine on a super powerful machine that I now have root access to in seconds. Users usually can create a cloud server in under 55 seconds. I've actually heard like 30 seconds, 32 seconds. It's nuts. It just kind of depends, you know. And the pricing only starts at $5 per month. That'll get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD. They're all SSDs, top to bottom, which is, if you're an old server guy, if you're an older server guy, if you've deployed old, if you've, if you ever have to do the colo thing, and you know you had to have several drives, Make sure you do them in a mirror or like a put a RAID 5 or something in there, right? Because you need that performance from those old spinning drives. Or in my case, we had to have huge arrays. And then SSDs come along and it just just blows all that away. It just blows it all away. One of the awesome things is there's a lot of tricks you can do to get a lot out of that. And you can always add more storage because they've got really sensible pricing tiers. Plus, you get a terabyte of transfer with that $5 plan. A terabyte. You just know that I have a terabyte to use. It's, it's, it's great. They've got locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, a gorgeous new data center in London. Go look at their Instagram feed and look at that data center porn. It's great. DigitalOcean gets you. But something even better about DigitalOcean is they're getting really, really serious about their community, about making some of the best tutorials available so that way you can take advantage of your $5 droplet. And don't forget, with our promo code, SNAPOCTOBER, or not SNAP, just thinking of TechSnap, CODEROCTOBER, and it's Almost over, too, so why not take advantage of this? Coder October will give you a $10 credit. You apply it to your DigitalOcean account. This is such a slick way to do it. This is one of my other favorite things about DigitalOcean is how I funded my account. I went in there. You can apply the Coder Radio code to your balance to get the $10 credit, and even if you forgot to do it when you created your droplet because you got all excited and the interface is pop, 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 and you're done, because that's what I actually did the first time I made my droplet, is I forgot to apply the promo code because it's just boom, boom, boom. And you're right, you're done. Oh, now I've got a server. So you can go into your, digi- your DigitalOcean account. You'll, you'll log into your account, and you go apply our promo code, Coder October. Why not take advantage of the month of October while you still can? Coder October will give you that $10 credit. And then go over to their community section and look at those tutorials. DigitalOcean will pay up to $200 if you want to write a tutorial for them. And they even have editing staff that will work with you. Up to 200 bones if you go there and write a tutorial for them. If you've got a topic that you're pretty good on and you think people could benefit from a tutorial, why not at least ping them and see what's up? 
because you could earn an extra $200. It's pretty cool. DigitalOcean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. And don't forget, Coder October. Screw those TechSnap guys. Those guys are jerks. Uh, all right, Mr. Dominic. Well, uh, before we run, uh, why don't we read uh, this? Uh, Hang on. I got, I got to pour my whiskey before we do this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> PT Dave, man. He, you know what? He's always got something good for us to read, doesn't he? Poor guy is always having a hard time. I, I feel like he might be like my, my spirit brother in some way. So I'm going to read the highlights of this. Because what PT Dave did here was he posted uh, a, a chat support that he had with, uh, with Google. Like, you know, the transcript of it. And, and to his credit, he told them he was going to do this. So it's not like he's being sneaky. He, 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 he warned them. Uh, but he says, uh, he's, they said, hi there. Thanks for contacting Google Play developer support. I understand you're concerned about adding your physical address. How can we help you? This is, you know, we've talked about this. Developers have to add their actual address. And it's going to be right. visible. It's going to be public. Uh, so he responds, that's right. The information entered in the address field will be shown on all your apps on Google Play to Google Play users. Then P.T. Dave says, is there no way to conceal this? And then the Walter guy responds from Google, as it is a legal requirement, that is correct. It cannot be hidden. Now, I, I, he then asks, well, what if I remove, you know, so it's not pay, it's only free? The answer is no. But here's the part that, that's floored me. So then he says, all right, well, even if it's a free app and I remove all options, because he had like a button, it was actually a free app, but he had a button to remove ads for like a, you know, a couple of pennies. And uh, the guy says, no, no, even if it's free, it's got to be up there. So then PT Day's response is, okay, I would like to pull my apps from the app store. And he can't, here's my app names. Can you please pull these? And the, and the guy says, yeah, let me go look that up. You know, do, 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 do. He goes and types it up and he comes back and he says, actually, these cannot be deleted. He says we are unable to could, we are unable to comment or no what do you say um, uh, yeah unfortunately we will be unable to delete any of your apps as they have at least one install this is so that we are in compliance with the terms of service which require that users be provided with unlimited reinstalls I am sorry for the inconvenience then he says well I know it's not your fault but I would like to escalate this Walter replies with as I am the manager for Google Play developer support. I am sorry to tell you there is no higher uh, authority to escalate this issue to. And then that's it. They never, they never remove so, his... So there's a little... The way they phrase this is bad. You can certainly pull your app from sale, but you can't delete it. Now, right. what that means is, you know, his request to delete the apps, he should have requested they be pulled from sale. Now, this is a dumb distinction. Well, no, he can it, go do that himself, right? He could go turn it off in the... Right. In... That's all you can do. iTunes is the same way, by the way. Unless you have a legal... Um, like say I'm pulling it for a legal reason, technically people can download your app, can right. download old versions. Now here's the thing that it, see what sucks about that is then those people will always be able to see his address. Um, so what happens if you simply don't add your address? Well, I wonder. I wonder if I wonder what would happen actually. Because okay, then you so would not be this? in compliance with the terms of service of the Google Play Developer Agreement. Okay, I would assume. I, I guess you'll have to delete my apps. I wonder. But the thing uh, is, is I wonder, though, if his address is already plugged in there because he had to enter it when he signed up, he probably can't go delete it. It no, probably won't let him save it. So you know what he said, though? You know what this guy, the, the Google guy said at the beginning that I thought was a bit of a hint? Legal. Uh, he said, uh, he, no, here's what he said. So P.T. Dave says, as I understand it, all the information will be, will be public no matter what. Is this true? Walter responds with, that's yes. right. The information entered into the address field will be shown on all your apps. 
uh, will be shown all your apps on Google Play. The information entered. Why didn't he say your address? It's almost like he's saying put some bullshit in there. Like, or but he can't a, say or that. He, a, or okay, or he's a support person from a foreign country and messed no, up the English idiot. He says he's the manager of Google Developer Play support. That's what he says in this chat log. He's the freaking manager. Uh, that sounds like a training line. I've gotten that a few times recently from like Comcast. Maybe, support. yeah, maybe. I am the manager. There's no one else to talk to. Oh, uh, maybe. Um, I, I, I. So I think the most telling thing is actually the why. They finally said why. Oh, well, they said legal compliance reasons. What do you think that means? I mean, what is the biggest issue with the Android App Store? Uh, Knockoffs. Knockoffs. Malicious software. Things that are generally either intellectual property crimes or actual malicious content. How do you, you know... Think about how hard did Nintendo have to fight to try to deal with you know, all that, that weird knockoff Pokemon game that was on the Google Play Store, right? Isn't it nice now if you have malicious or illegal or otherwise I don't know, somehow offensive software, they could just issue you a subpoena right to your door? Like, I, think, I think this is all about like IP and content. I agree. I think it is definitely about that. Uh, and I'm I sure, think, you know, smart people would figure out I can just go to one of those rent a mailbox places like Kinko's and I do think that. Google in some ways works like the government where they will they will start something and they they want to move at glacial speed. They want to take right. a long time. They want people to slowly and more and more get more used to things and they move it forward a little more. And I think that's what they're doing here. I think this is step one. Step two is it's time? Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be incredible if Google could, in, in five years, be known for having the best app store? Like, way better than Apple, supports way more devices, better applications, really good prom- stuff is exclusive to Google Play for a year when it launches. That would be such a huge turnaround for them. And the only way to get there is to send the sheriff in and clean up the town. Well, I mean, I know you don't mean the literal sheriff, but there are cases where an actual sheriff may be involved, right? Yeah, I suppose. Um, I'm thinking more of the, hey, Google, you want all these content deals with us. What the fuck is with all these apps that let people pirate and share media? (laughs) No problem, Viacom. Yeah. Here's the guy's address. Uh, you know, get your lawyers, start their engines. As as Android grows as a platform and as it becomes one of the dominant computing platforms, Look at so just let's take an analogy. Look at how they've gone after uh, the Google search, and now they can just send in batch pull down requests and pull down millions of URLs at once, and just do it all right there. And now you've got uh, you know right to be forgotten getting entered. I mean, like as Google search has last as the longer Google search remains the dominant search provider, the monopoly of the search. More and more things like this uh, happen. Uh, the same uh, thing will uh, happen Chris, at play. Chris, what? Chris, uh, we don't say monopoly. Oh. Uh, as they become the dominant uh, choice in your industry, search experience. Yeah. Industry leader. <laughs> Indus- the industry leader for your search experience. Then, Thanks. thank you, yes, good correction. The same thing's happening with Android right now. We're at the early, it's the early days of it, but it's already beginning to happen, and this is the groundwork to make it work. I think. I really believe it's, I, legal well, yeah, requirement. Yeah. Legal requirement. It legally is required yeah. to be publicly posted. That's sure. legal. It, why sure, doesn't why doesn't why isn't that true for the Amazon App Store? Well, why isn't that true for the mic? It's the simplest scenario in the world. Nintendo, you know, let's just say Miyamoto, because 
everybody knows his name is over there. What the hell is this Mario game? Calls Google. Hey, 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 just go on the Play Store. There's the address. Go ahead. (laughs) I mean, I I guarantee you, I'm not saying Google's lying. I'm not saying that. But I don't understand why no other app store seems to have this requirement. Apple doesn't. You don't show your address. But Apple goes through the trouble of taking your certificate of incorporation, excuse me, and going through all the due diligence to actually confirm that you're a real business. Well, so oh. what, what, what's happening is that Apple does it all before they give you the developer account, before they give you the license. So it, ta- it took me, and things are a lot better now. But and when that's I, what uh, Amazon does too, huh? When I got FTT, their license, it took, oh my God, I think it took almost two months because they couldn't understand that we had a new, new Jersey address, but we're a Delaware company. Like that was mind-boggling. Meanwhile, they're a freaking Irish company. Like they, they couldn't get interstate commerce, but they're totally down with Ireland, which makes no sense. I had to fax them a copy of the thing from Delaware saying that we are, in fact, a Delaware company with our offices in New Jersey. Literally, old school fax, a thing with the Secretary of State from Delaware seal on it. It just feels anti-developer to me. Well, it is, but it's the same process, right? So now if, if someone came to Apple with a legal claim against this apple just says all right here they are you know right. and you know what you know what if you think about it that's exactly what it is and you, you no. know why it is that because it's a scale issue google couldn't do what apple's doing at their scale in the play store with all of the, the they're making you do the the secretarial work for them that's all it is it is li- I, I wouldn't be surprised if one day google does do what apple does and says listen you want to be a corporation on the app store we have to see some sort of document from the state or, you know, if you're foreign province or whatever that you're incorporated in. Like that's actually standard for any kind of and, vendor relationship. You know, Apple is sort of famous for actually paying people yeah. to look at the apps and they pay people to review these developer accounts. And like uh, when Jupiter Broadcasting signed up for an Apple developer account so we could do some testing, I actually got a phone call from somebody, like an actual human being. Oh, they yeah, asked I me said- a few questions. I sat on the phone for an hour with a not-so-bright bulb over at Apple discussing how one could have a New Jersey office and be a Delaware company. (laughs) It's, you know, and and granted, obviously, one guy being confused. It was, I mean, it was a hectic time. He told me that I had faxed a certificate and their fax machines were so overflowed that it was on the floor. So this is, to me, this is, Google is deferring the work. And what it is, is by publicly posting the address, they must be legally satisfying some due diligence there because it's available, right? No, you know what it is? It's that Google doesn't have to have a person to answer the phone to give them the address. (laughs) That's all it is. Let's say someone found something, you know, illegal in Code Journal, right? And they were like, ah, fingertip tech. Well, what they would do now is if they couldn't find our address another way, they would just contact Apple and Apple would be like, yeah, it would take a week or two, but I'm sure they would give them the address for a legal claim. So Google's cutting out the middleman, just saying, here, here it is. Wow. Now, the problem we're going to have that is, is what have, it is. We haven't talked about this at all, but you know, things like that Gamergate stuff. Let's say someone puts up like a feminist app, and these Gamergate scumbags want to go harass this person. Well, that's going to be a problem, right? Like that's already, I don't know how closely you followed it. I've only followed it tangentially, but... You know, they're death threatening. They're forcing oh, people yeah. out of their I've, homes. I've only followed tangentially too, but I've got all that from it. Yeah, yeah. this is like the Moss Eisley of the internet over here. It's, it's terrible. So Google's kind of creating a freaking monster here. They're, they're, and, 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 but it, it is totally the Google solution to this problem, right? Ooh, customer service, uh, hiring account representatives? Fuck that. Let's make them type it into a Python script. That's, like, what, that's why when you, when you compare it to all 
past Google Actions, this is this is the one that you plug in the answer to, and it, it seems to connect the most to me. It's, it's, this is this is the Google way of solving that same verification right. problem that Apple had without having to have a, a staff right. of hundreds of people doing it. Right, Apple hired like three hundred people. And to be and fair to it. Google, they have a probably a much higher scale of submissions to the Play Store than Apple does. I would assume because but I, I don't think they're happy about it. I think what happened is they want just like the Windows Store, they needed to get numbers, so they made some deals with the devil, allowing anybody in, and now they're getting heat from their partners about. Frankly, the level of crap, right? Right. In fact, you got to even figure the OEMs don't like it. I'm sure they don't, because imagine Samsung or Verizon or whoever is getting all these support calls, right? And because people are installing malicious software on Android, that's or not- or they think they're buying Angry Birds and they got Grumpy Birds and it doesn't right. work right and it's full of ads and you know some people just don't know and they you, who do you call at Google? So you call Verizon support or you call Samsung. And the thing is, is I was actually thinking more from a branding standpoint, right? Because Samsung and LG, you know, they want to start to compete as almost it's a fashion statement, right? This is a really high-end device on some of these. And part of that is what are the apps? Because let's be honest, that's what sells a lot of these devices is kind well, of what can I do with it? And if, if you can say, you know, we have the best apps available you know, and really mean it, I mean, that, that will sell devices. I got to be honest. When family members ask what smartphone should I get, I always say go for an iPhone because I don't have to worry about any potential problems. <laughs> You know, I mean, sure, there has been malware on the App Store, on the iOS App Store, but generally speaking, Apple, you know, per capita, right, per hundred, there is far less dangerous software in the iOS Store than there are on Android. Yeah, and usually when you hear about it, it's like, uh, it's like the, the Apple stuff is usually like it read your contacts or read your photos right. or something. It, because the API in, in Cocoa just doesn't let you do anything. You can't get, but the thing is, is right. even in those scenarios, the app still has to prompt you at the time. And I think that's a superior safety model, too. Because right. when the app's installing, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm more out there in terms of security paranoia, but I always accept. I always I do because it. I want I, the damn I app. Hate, yeah, I hate the Android model of giving me right. this, this. Like, have you ever installed, have you recently installed Facebook on Android? Uh, yes, just, re- just recently. And, and, just, and my the, God, dude, Messenger. Oh, my. My God. Is there any permission you didn't request? And I cannot sign out. And I got people's faces that just show up I, all over I, my screen. Yes, and I, I can't find, I literally cannot I, I find had, any permissions they didn't request. I went in, I had to kill the process, and I uninstalled the app because somehow people just, people I don't even, I don't even know how yeah. they got me. I've never, I don't even know their names. And I'm getting pictures of, of women. Women that I don't know on my phone, and I'm like, what if my wife saw that? What would she think, right? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Chris, do you have something you'd like to confess? I swear, I, I mean, I, I do admit I have accepted a lot of people I don't know on Facebook because when Facebook started up, I was just accepting everybody that was like in the audience. So I got a lot of people on there, and I think they can just message me. And the thing was, is I installed Messenger because I was going on a trip to Ohio, and I thought, you know, sure. family wants to know what's up. This is how they, they like to use Messenger, and it was awful. And see. I, I just I was I, I couldn't believe that I was in a completely different app and I'm I'm on super tight data restrictions. All of a sudden, faces are on my screen. It just blew me away that it, that could even happen on a device. Even the face issue aside, think about this: a non-savvy user on Android. What are the odds they read the permissions and if they read them, understand right, them? Right. Back to my so, core point. Right. The, the time right. of access of my contacts or of my GPS or of my photos. That's a better time to ask me. Right. When I've been in your app and I could see, is this a developer that I feel is up to the quality that I would trust them? The counter argument is pop-up fatigue, which is also a big problem. So Right. And like, I, you know, we're working with iOS 8 a lot. Huge pain in the ass, right? Because you need pop-ups for everything now. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I get it. 
I don't know. Though. I mean, it didn't work for. It doesn't work that well for UAC. So I don't know. I think that's a different problem. And so I, I think, think, think mobile. Yeah, I think people have to be more selective. I'm, how they I'm use more. Them. I'm more concerned about the data security on my mobile phone than I am on my PC. To be totally honest. With yeah, you. me too. Because I feel like you know what? If you compromise my laptop, I mean that's bad. That's a lot of bad things could happen. If you compromise my mobile phone, particularly on Android, where you might be able to listen to phone calls and great stuff like that, um, to me, it's just a balance sheet of risk where your phone being compromised this day and age, like I bank on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I barely bank on my computer. I've got naked pictures of my kid's butt on my phone right now. I'm going to send the FBI to your house. <laughs> All right. So uh, if you would, go over to coderadio.reddit.com and uh, give us your feedback on the format stuff. You can also email us. But the thing is, is we have a lot of emails we didn't get to this week. And I'd like to try to get to some of them next week, maybe. But we'll see. But you can also email us. But coderadio.reddit.com would also give other folks a chance to chime in. Uh, and one thing maybe to email in is if you, know, you, if you heard the, our talk about the producer stuff and you think you, that might be something you're interested in, really give us some thought. How much time do you have? Are you, you know, like one of the things is are, if you're unemployed right now, that's not necessarily means you're a great fit because once you find a job, we're, we might be out of producer and then we could be left high and dry and be really screwed. So really think about what kind of time you could commit to a show. How, and it have to be, you know, quite a few hours initially. Uh, if you, you know, are comfortable reaching out to people, Skyping them and talking to them, if that kind of sounds like something and you know our general interests, you feel like you got a good feel for what we'd like to talk about, email us. Coda Radio at JupiterBroadcasting.com or go to the contact link and send it in and put like producer in the subject line or something like that. And we'll look for those. And that's something we could consider doing too. But in the meantime, you know, we'll trek on. Uh, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we want to cover before we uh, skedaddle, as they say, in Ohio? No, I'm good. I'm going to go oh, I, violate some Android user security. I, I should have said this earlier in the show. I, gosh, last, oh my gosh. Uh, I saw some Coda Radio fans at Ohio Linux Fest. Some Coda Radio what? shirts. Oh yeah, man. And you know what? I got... Quite a few people are like, "Oh, I hoped Michael was going to be here since it's on the East Coast." Yeah, yeah, you were uh, you were a missed man at the well, Ohio I Linux Fest. Invi- send me an invitation. You know what? Nothing. It was my bad. I should have asked you. Yeah, I should have because people were asking about you. People uh, yeah, like the show. I, honestly, I was feeling slighted. I thought you liked uh, Alan better. <laughs> I was hurt. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, uh, join us live while we're on Mondays. I think we'll be here for a while at noon Pacific. 3 p.m. Eastern, jblive.tv on a Monday. JB Calendar or jupiterbroadcast.com. I should get jbcalendar.com. That'd be a good one. Don't register that. I'm going to get it. Uh, and also, coderadio.reddit.com. Give us some feedback. We really appreciate that. Hope you enjoyed the meta show. I promise we won't do many of these. I try not to do shows about shows, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coder Radio. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>